This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade here. Happy to be with you at the bottom of the hour, Dagan McDowell. And we do have the president of the United States about to come on shortly. Uh, he'll be joining us, too, because he's got a busy day. He's going to North Carolina. Then he's going at about 4 o'clock to Jacksonville, Florida, where he's going to have a major event. Then he's going to Miami. At the same time, he is also screening and possibly doing an interview with another contender to be the next Supreme Court justice. The vice president of the United States will be in Wisconsin. Uh, he'll be doing an event called... You know, cops for Trump, and there's a lot of them. And that might be why we're seeing some of the surge that we are seeing right now, uh, because so many police officers is 700,000 plus active. Think about the ones that have retired. Think about the families with some in their uh, people with cops in their families, uh, maybe who are uh, relatives not serving themselves. So uh, I think that there's going to be a lot that's going to be swaying this election. In case you don't know, ABC Washington Post came out with a poll yesterday. It showed the president with a four to five point lead in Florida. It showed him in a dead heat in Arizona. What's significant about that? Well, he needs both those states, and he was trailing in both those states. And I'm not saying that's the definitive poll. They only sampled under 1,000. They do their science. But what they do also do— and they also say and notice is there's a creeping up in a poll just about everywhere. And I was taken aback by this story in the New York Times today that said there are five reasons why Joe Biden supporters should worry. One, whites without degrees are energized, much more committed than Democrats. Number two, Latinos are showing less uh, 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 less interest in Joe Biden than they were for Hillary Clinton. The big mistakes, they say, and it's a subtle one, is Hispanics are resistant to the term they're being called by Democrats, and that's people of color. That's not me talking. That's the analysis of the New York Times. And also, the absentee voting, since so many Democrats are doing it, they're concerned, they're so easy to when these comes to these absentee votes to eliminate them because it's even the smallest mistake. Republicans, by the way, uh, are great, uh, have less risk because they are determined to show up in person. So let's welcome in the president of the United States. Mr. President, thanks so much for your time. Well, thank you, Brian. Hi. I'm doing, I'm doing good. I guess uh, you have good. to be heartened by what you're seeing in the polls. The Washington Post-ABC poll comes together, and they have you up for with likely voters in Florida, dead heat in right. Arizona, and a big increase in Hispanic support. What's going on? Well, that's the first time in four years that I've ever had a poll that had me up, <laughs> ABC, Washington Post. They had me 12 down four years ago with a week to go. And then they had me even the day of the election, but they had me 12 down with the Washington Post ABC poll. I've never had a good poll, almost as bad as Fox. Fox is one of the worst of all. But uh, the Washington News is a terrible poll. Oh, that's nice. They have me up in Florida, which we are. And I think we're way up in Arizona. You said Arizona, but I, I think we're way up in Arizona, too. But 
But if they have us even in Arizona or up a little bit in Arizona, I guess they have us one up in Arizona, then I would say that uh, that's a first because I've never been up anywhere. I've, I, if if they did a poll at Alabama where I'm 38 up, they would say it's even. Right. Well, so, I'll tell you what. The one so thing is pretty hard. clear. You're heading in the right direction. Your camp is heading in the right direction, closing everywhere. At the same time, you can't salt away Chicago, excuse me, Chicago, Georgia, or uh, Iowa yet, and you need both those in your column. I oh, I think that Iowa, we're, do, we're way up, and I think that in Georgia, we're way up from what I'm hearing. I mean, I'm hearing Georgia's good. Well, we had the same thing last time. Uh, Georgia's in play, and, you know, we won it, like, immediately, easily. And Iowa, we won by 11 points, and I've done nothing but uh, do do good for Iowa. You know, I've, the farmers have been incredible right. with with me, I think that I mean I've only seen positive polls in Iowa. Have you seen a negative one? No, I, I saw I saw a dead heat uh, yesterday. But just uh, those I are just polls. It. It, it shows a Sleepy trend. Joe doesn't believe in ethanol. He doesn't believe in anything. I don't I don't see it. But you never know. You never so know. So you're going to be at Cecil Airport. There's only one poll that counts, as the expression goes. Right. right. Uh, you'll be at Cecil Airport today in Jacksonville, Florida, around four o'clock. So you can still get right. those tickets there online. We got a great affiliate. WOKV is excited. I understand oh, good. they're getting a lot of people who are excited to see you. Just a quick thing on the Fox poll. If you met them, you would like them. They just have a science and approach to it. I know you don't agree with, but I, they're great people. Just real quick, yesterday you created— I might like them, but they're incompetent. Brian, well, they were one of the, the most far off of all polls. They don't like me, I can tell you that. But uh, uh, So, you know, what can I tell you? The worst poll is usually Fox. Fox, Washington Post, ABC. That's why when they have me up, it's sort of shocking. Uh, and then you have some good polls. Rasmussen has been one of the most accurate. They had today, I think they come out with 52, that I'm 52 percent wow. nationwide. With approval. So, Mr. And President, yesterday you created some good. news, as you usually do. One of the things you said when asked about if you lose the election, will you accept the result? You said, well, we're going to have to see what happens. You know, I've been complaining very strongly about the ballots, and the ballots are a disaster. Many think you are saying we're going to— you're not. If you do lose, you'll never, ever leave. That's not what you're saying. We just spoke to Lindsey Graham. He said we have, to, we have every reason to contend anything that might be controversial. And I'll paraphrase. He said if it gets to the Supreme Court and they decide Joe Biden won, Joe Biden won. Do you agree with that? Oh, that I would agree with. But I think we have a long way before we get there. These ballots are a horror show. Uh, they found uh, six ballots in an office yesterday in a garbage can. There were Trump ballots, eight ballots, in an office yesterday in a, in a certain state. And uh, they were they had Trump written on it, and they were thrown in a garbage can. Uh, this is what's going to happen. Uh, this is what's going to happen. And uh, we're investigating that. Uh, it's a terrible thing that's going on with these ballots. Uh, who's sending them? Where are they sending them? Where are they going? Uh, what areas are they going to? What areas are they not going right. to? Uh, and, you know, when they get there, who's going to take care of them? And so when we find eight ballots, that's emblematic of thousands of locations, perhaps. But and people just get concerned about a constitutional people get concerned about a constitutional crisis. If you or Joe well, Biden. remember crooked Hillary Clinton a week ago, she said to Joe Biden, don't concede under any circumstances. Do not concede under any never concede. OK, now. You know, nobody does a story about that, right? But she said that last week. You covered it. Right. And it, the words were, don't concede under any circumstances. Well, yeah. it's okay for her to say that, 
But if I say, well, I want the ballots to be fair, right. uh, they make a big deal out of it. Yeah. Not, It's not right. It's just the same old double standard. It's. Uh, I look at uh, Hunter Biden today where he stole millions of dollars, stole millions. His father should leave the campaign because his father was in on it. His father knew everything, his father, far more than we thought in Ukraine, far more than we thought in China, and now other countries are at it. And look at what's going on. And the newspapers don't even write, want to write about it, except the New York Post has it on the front page, which is great. Good old New York Post is great. They're well, actually, they should, get, they should get the Pulitzer. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I know it's going to be brought up. Ron Johnson, uh, they, the Democrats are questioning his integrity. I don't really know many people who had done that before, but he said that he investigated over a period of time and Hunter Biden's uh, relationship with somebody who was close to the former mayor of Moscow on down. It's very complicated. Yeah. It's worth the read. On the ballots, real well, quick. Well, the mayor's wife of Moscow gave him $3.5 million cash <laughs> to Hunter Biden. So, okay? And that's a very powerful position. And he's a very powerful guy. Gave, gave Hunter $3.5 million, his wife. But do, so do you I believe— mean, and, 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 and Ron Johnson, this is what the Democrats do. They scare everybody. Nobody's got guts. Nobody has any guts. They scare everybody. That's why they're not prosecuted like they should be. They're very good at it. They scare. They don't scare me, but they go after me like crazy. They go after my kids. They go after my family. They failed in Washington. They send it to New York. They say, go after them. It's a disgrace. They, they are really a disgrace. But they go around scaring everybody. Ron Johnson had guts. Other people don't have guts. And uh, the Republican Party is just sort of developing a little, a little, a little courage. But here's a guy stole millions. His father was in on it. Consider yeah. Ron Johnson. Consider this. Consider uh, what Ron Johnson has done is incredible, because he had courage and he found all this stuff that people were hearing about. And instead of saying thank you very much, they call him corrupt. I mean, it's right. like unbelievable. No, it's Joe Biden is corrupt because his son got the money. He knew it. And he knew his son was getting all this money from China, from Ukraine and other places. But we're not talking about the numbers that we heard about. We're talking about millions. But the, now Russia's involved. They'd say I have a relationship with Russia, which I don't and didn't. I didn't have a relationship. He got three and a half million from Russia. From uh <laughs> So, Mr. President, let's let's move on to another area which kind of relates to this. You spent an hour with Chris Wallace, and you spent probably another half hour off camera. It was 100 degrees. You did an hour on Fox News Sunday. Chris Wallace right. is going to be the moderator there. And what, what role do you think that experience will play in the success that you may or may not have on Tuesday for 90 minutes? No role. I mean, I, I've done many interviews with Chris. I have Chris's all-time record in ratings. Numerous times, actually, but I get good ratings when I do, Chris. So Chris likes me because it's all about ratings. Your world is about ratings. If you don't have ratings, you do very well. If you don't, I do you anyway, but you do very well. But if you don't have ratings, you can forget about that business. So I've always gotten very happy. But I have his all-time record by far in ratings. Uh, and hey, Chris is good, but um, I think I would be willing to bet that he won't ask uh, Biden tough questions. He'll ask me tough questions, and it'll show ver it'll it'll be unfair. I have no doubt about it. But he'll be controlled by the radical left. That's what they control him because yeah. he'll I, be concerned. I, I guarantee you, he won't. And I have a lot of respect for Chris. I do. I have a lot of respect. His father was actually a friend of mine, as much as Mike could be a friend of anybody. He did me, I think, twice on 60 Minutes, and they were both good. 
but which was shocking because Mike very rarely did good. I have the honor of having a couple. One was a phenomenal piece, Mr. actually. People couldn't believe it. Well, Mr. President, and that's on YouTube. Mr. President, I will tell you for sure, he is not controlled by anyone, Chris Wallace. Okay. But, but well, I let's think, see. And, then he's got to ask tough but, questions of Biden. But, but because, that's true. Do you think that you Because could, I, had you, it, well, I had it last year where ABC was asking Hillary Clinton these little powder puff <laughs> questions, and they were going after me. I said, I thought I was debating one person, not two. But does it give you an advantage? when you One of the categories, it says uh, the Trump and Biden records. You know what Chris you Chris won after you and now went after you, but to question you on your record. And Joe Biden yeah. does not have that experience with Chris Wallace specifically, or I think even the Biden camp would say with, with anybody So uh, of so, late. So do you think so that gives Biden you an advantage? Good. No, I think I'm the one with that experience. I've just been doing this for a few years. He's been doing it for 47 years plus. And, you know, I mean, he has a, a tremendous advantage, really, if you think about it. But I have a much better record than he does. I, I've done things, the best employment numbers, the best economic numbers, the best of everything. Now we're doing it again. You know, we close it up. We save millions of lives. Now we're doing it again. But, no, I mean, the guy with the advantage is sleepy Joe Biden because, because look, he's been doing it for 47 years. Now, he has, a, he has a situation coming out where his son and him, because it's not his son, it's son, son and him, he knew everything, stole money from Russia. This just came out. Three and a half million bucks they got. And he was in charge of Russia. And then you wonder, then, then they say that I'm, I'm soft on Russia. I'm actually the toughest there ever has been on Russia. I guarantee you Putin would say that. I guarantee you that Putin would say that behind the scenes. He tells his people with the sanctions and all of the things that I've done. Uh, you, your the, former, the pipeline your, to Germany. Your what? former director of national intelligence, uh, Coates, said that he thinks that he doesn't have proof, but he thinks that Russia has something on you. Dan is a stiff. Dan would sit there all day long at a meeting, and he would never say anything. All of a sudden, he becomes this guy. Dan was not suited for the job. Uh, Dan was a, a very low-key guy. I right. can't even believe he'd say a thing like that, but that's okay. Dan was uh, not a—he was a mistake. He didn't do anything. He, he was a stiff. Right. He was a stiff. I, I, if somebody says about me like that— I have at least I have the privilege of hitting them back. Dan was they ran that department. Now we have somebody fantastic there, John Radcliffe. And before that, we had somebody, you know, on a temporary basis. Uh, Rick Rennell. Rick was so great. Uh, I mean, what he revealed. And this took place during Dan's tenure. Dan didn't report anything. Dan just did whatever the uh, the deep staters mm -hmm. wanted him to. And uh, Rick Grinnell went in there, he cleaned, he, you know, he largely cleaned out the place. And now John Ratcliffe is doing a good job. Now, Dan, uh, Dan was recommended by somebody who just wasn't a good recommendation. It, it, he didn't do the job. Right. He didn't do the job. Mr. A lot of things took place that he should have been, he should have revealed about the previous administration. He didn't reveal that they spied on my campaign. He didn't um, reveal that. So let me ask you about you're going to be in Florida today in Jacksonville. But Mike yeah. Bloomberg made some uh, news when he decided to pay all the debts of all the felons in Florida, making yeah. them eligible to sure. vote. Now, the attorney general of Florida was just on Fox and Friends and said they're going to do an investigation because he's not just doing this. The, she believes she's going to investigate whether she's actually telling if he's pushing them how to vote, not just making it's them eligible act. to vote. It's, it's, it's hey, look. Mike Bloomberg got on stage and made a fool out of himself, Mini Mike. And he blew almost $2 billion 
couldn't answer the first question. He was hit by Pocahontas like nobody's ever been hit. Well, I get hit like that all the time. You have to be able to respond. He choked and he couldn't talk. And he's dying to get back into the Democrat Party. So he's putting up money. But the problem is, it's totally illegal what he did. I guess it's a felony. He's actually giving money people. He's paying people to vote. He's actually saying, here's money. Now, you go ahead and vote for only Democrats, right? You yeah. vote for them or vote against Trump because, uh, you know, because I reveal things about Bloomberg and he didn't like it. And there's a whole thing about his company that comes out and that people are talking about. Uh, you know, he did a lot of things while he was a mayor of New York City to build up that company. And uh, people should look at that. But Mike, what Mike did with this was, you know, it's uh, politics uh, 101, let's say. But but what Mike did is it's a total criminal act. And they're going to take they a look go at after it. them because, you know, Democrats get away with stuff. But I think Republicans are getting tougher. The Republicans have to get tougher. We have better policy. But we I mean, we have some unbelievable warriors like Jim Jordan and others that, that have been fit. Mark Meadows has been incredible. He's doing a great job, by the right. way. Mr. But President. we have people that don't, you know, it's just a different it's just a different kind of a thing. What happened, by the way, and, and I didn't see one story in the major papers about Biden's son and Biden stealing one and a half million dollars from Russia. The Ukraine story did not get much play yesterday, no doubt about it. Brianna Taylor did. Her death is a tragedy. Everybody knows it. She did nothing in the House, was shot six times by three officers who right. we understand had a no-knock warrant but did knock. Uh, when they were fired upon, they fired back. The, the 12-person ju uh, grand jury came back and said only one officer will be charged with three counts, and it was not for shooting Breonna Taylor. There were demonstrations from New York City where 2,000 people came out, but the big one was in Louisville, Kentucky. The National Guard was called out. Two cops were shot. Where were you? Uh, what do you think as we watch this again, a city burn after a verdict? Yeah. Well, it's a Democrat— Governor, he's a good guy. I spoke to him last night, and I said, whatever we can do, we'll, we'll get in there and do whatever you want. Uh, they called up—he called up his National Guard, which was a very good move. And uh, so I think he's doing it right. But I said, if you need any help, we'll get—we'll close it down for you if you want. Uh, all of these people, I say, call us. But I think he's going to do well. I think he's got a lot of, you know, force in there, as opposed to, like, Portland, where they're afraid to call up anybody although they're getting a little tougher after, you know, six months of being beat up. Uh, but uh, it's a right. Democrat governor, but we are we're working with him in one way. And in another way, we've told him, I told him, you know, with, we had a very good call last night. And I told him that uh, if he needs any help, if he needs right. unlimited manpower or man slash woman power, uh, we will be there. So, Mr. President, when you see situations like this from Kenosha on down, even though there seems to be an organization behind it, there's some real sense of distrust in the judicial in the justice system among African American in the African American community. No one's blaming you. It's been there. How do we bring the country together to unite and try to get this solved and address everyone's concerns while, we, while without burning the cities down, without the violence? How do we do that without vilifying police? What role do you, can you play in that process? 
Well, very big role. Look, uh, I went to Kenosha. I was the one that stopped the violence. I'm the one that has Wisconsin and all these states, uh, Florida and Texas and every state virtually. By the way, New York's finest endorsed me. They've never endorsed a presidential candidate before. They didn't think it was something they should be doing. They endorsed me. Chicago police endorsed me. Uh, Florida endorsed me. Everybody. I mean, all law enforcement endorsed me. In Kenosha, I saved it. Because fortunately, after a short while, a number of days, they asked if we would get involved. If we'd go, we went in and stopped it very quickly, just like we did in Minneapolis. Unfortunately, that was two weeks before they asked us to come in. Uh, every place we've gone, we were going into Seattle the following day. They knew that we let them know, and they gave up. Uh, so they took back Seattle. But, but on it's the, the race, uh, on the cop issue, I get it. And I think they, they really feel as though they, they feel uh, honor for your support. But on the race issue, uh, okay, you I ready? think they, yeah, ready. So we were doing it. It was, it was really being done. And, and uh, I'm now going to the Supreme Court, so I have to get off a little bit run. soon. But, but let me just say I'm going over to meet with the uh, – to pay my respects and see – Justice the justices, yes. I guess, but um, I have to go. Uh, just so you understand, we were having an unbelievable success until the China plague came in. People were calling me Democrats like you wouldn't believe. We had full employment. We were down to less than 3.5% unemployment, 160 million people working. Uh, everybody had a job. Everybody was happy. Companies are pouring in. Everything was good. We were beating China like a drum. Everything was good. And then the plague came in. We had to close it down, and now we're opening it up. But we closed it down, Brian. We saved right. millions of lives. We lost two and a half, three million lives. And, and, and we're 200,000, a little more. It's terrible. Uh, that, uh, but we would have lost millions of lives. You see this, uh, if, we, if we would have just kept it open if somebody didn't make the decision. I did the ban on China. I did the ban on Europe, all of that. But we were... For the first time I've seen in 30 years, people were calling me that would never have called a Republican president. We were starting to get there. And you know what the answer was? Success. We were having such success, the country was coming together. Right. I know you got to run, got hit with but, the plague. but I just on the Supreme Court justice where you're going right now, uh, yeah. what would it take for your nominee not to be Amy Coney Barrett. It seems you already met with well, her. Well, I don't want to say who it is. I, you don't know that it's her. Uh, she's highly, I mean, she's an incredible person, brilliant and, and everything else. It is a woman. I've had, I have five women that I'm, you know, very much looking at. I have, uh, you know, I think in my mind, I have one that I, I like them all. I mean, to be honest, I could put any of the five. They're all genius. Will you have but, a meeting in Miami with Barbara Lagoda? Uh, I, I don't really know yet. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe not. I, I don't know yet. But, uh, you know, there's been tremendous false reporting, you know, just not I intentionally or anything. But they have a they have me meeting with people that I really was a meeting with. Uh, but w I'll be making a decision on Saturday and it'll be announced at five o'clock. And you're invited and a lot of your media friends are invited. And I think it's going to be a tremendous thing for our country, and I think it's going to go fast. The Republican Party is extremely united. I think it's going to go very, very quickly. Very, Lisa, very quickly. It looks like Lisa Murkowski could be on board or more open to doing this now. looks like it. Well, I heard that. That would be nice. That would be a nice thing. I think it would be very hard to vote against this person. Right. So your staff doesn't get very, mad very at me. Hard. So your staff doesn't get mad at me. I'm going to get you out when they ask me to. But uh, tonight, Jacksonville, Florida, uh, if you want to see the president in person, Cecil Airport, 
13,365 uh, 13, Simpson Way, a big open area. Ryan, we're having rallies the likes of which nobody's ever seen before in Pennsylvania, in North Carolina. You know, the other one the other night, you see pictures of these. People don't report right. that, but that's okay. We have rallies of 25, 30, 40,000 people, and the only thing that stops is the size of an airport. And we cover most of it. Mr. President, have a great day. Our, our half our audience, thanks so much for your time. Best of luck the thank rest you, of the way. Thank you, Brian. You got uh, it. Thank you very much, Brian. Yeah. Appreciate it. President of the United States. Uh, we'll be back with someone almost as important, uh, Dagan McDowell. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because I think this is going to drag out and eventually I do believe he will win if we don't give an inch. And that is Hillary Clinton giving terrible advice to Joe Biden uh, because she's a terrible person. Uh, with me right now is Dagan McDowell. And I'm actually the first person I've seen in person in studio. Right, Allison? We haven't had anybody in uh, studio. Maybe Carly Shimkus came in once because we're not allowed to have guests in the building because of the coronavirus. I have been here every single day, even during the shutdown. Yeah. Since mid-March. I did see you in the hall, though, and you always kind of run, run away from me when We're, I try to talk to you in part, like, per, real person. Oh, really? Yeah. You used to be right next door to me. Yes. And we used to be able to talk all the time. We should set up a breezeway. Uh, Dagan McDowell, Fox Business Network, you see all over our channel, too, uh, because he's on the 5. Were you on the 5 yesterday? Uh, Monday and Tuesday. Monday and Tuesday. So Dagan's here. Uh, we just talked to the President of the United right. States. Very nice of him to join us. Um, and one thing is I did not get a chance to talk about, and that is uh, the economy, the jobs we, I guess, we 
And we lost or unemployment claims, 870,000. Right. So these are weekly jobless claims. This is first people filing first, first time. time unemployment. Under benefits. a million for the three weeks in a row. Right. So it's under a million, but still 870,000 is still ex- exceedingly high. And the continuing claims, this is the total number of people collecting unemployment benefits at the state level, came in at 12.58 million. These are people who are still collecting unemployment. That's down. The record high was almost $25 million in early May. The president, and th- this is just my opinion, he's got to talk about the economy. He's got to talk about the road ahead. How do we fight the virus? Vaccines, vaccines, vaccines. And then also, how does he get the American people back to where we were at the end of last year? And I'm talking about the poverty rate falling to the lowest level in 60 years, and then wages, median household income last year. And the Wall Street Journal editorial board has written about this, rose by the biggest increase on record. And if you go down and look at where people were at the end of last year, household incomes increased more among Hispanics, black Americans, Asian Americans, foreign-born workers versus whites, whites in this country. So, again, it was... Income inequality shrinking, a rising tide lifting every single person's boat, and but he needs to he needs to talk more about that because that's not what you're hearing for, from the Biden campaign. The Biden campaign just wants to make uh, make it about a referendum on his personality and how he handled the coronavirus. And they, with the Supreme Court justice, they know they can't stop it, but they can bring up goodbye Obamacare and your health care, and that's where they want to make gains. That's why the president today is going to make. An announcement. He's going to have an executive order. So to to link all those thoughts, they the Democrats talk about okay, SCOTUS is going to have to rule on the lawsuit that essentially dismantles um, the rest of Obamacare. What about your pre-existing conditions? The president today, I think, is going to come out with an executive order to ensure that pre-existing conditions will continue to be covered by people's health insurance in this country. It's something he's talked about and promised he has not yet done. But he won on Obamacare largely because people hated it so much. I remember when Kellyanne Conway joined the campaign in the summer of 2016, and she said, you watch the premium increases for Obamacare and people's health insurance are going to come out in October right before the election. So he's got to fight that. But the the Democrats could bite themselves – excuse me, in the ass if they if say it's Amy Coney Barrett and they attack her and it winds up looking like a sexist religious persecution, that alienates not just Catholics in this country, but women and people, anybody of faith. So that could backfire if they're not careful. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, they got to be quicker that because in 2018, they paid the price for that because pre-existing conditions being taken away is something that they built on uh, to win the midterm elections or at least get the House in the midterm elections. They did add some senators so it's going to be interesting because uh, the president of the United States has been outspent two to one. Lindsey Graham was just on our channel and says he's been outspent three to one in the state of South Carolina, which is, as you know, you're a southern girl, extremely red. He's in a basically dead heat with this guy, Jamie Harrison, right. who's got no track record. He's just not Lindsey Graham. And Lindsey Graham is associated with the president of the United States. Right. Go ahead. And, and so when you have that money advantage and you have much of the media in your camp, in your pocket even, then you you have fewer people who are out and out and, and 
experiencing campaigns and messages in a more traditional way. And that's why Bloom, the, the involvement of Mike Bloomberg and his money is so well. Quite and the president's fighting it. Questionable. Yeah. So here is uh, this, the other big story is, especially in Manhattan, where 85 percent of the eateries, the restaurants did not pay their rent. They don't have the money. They are eating outdoors, a handful of tables, if they can. And then the 25% goal at September 30th, they get 25%. It's just not working. Now, out in California, they have nothing. They can't open it at all. And they are marching on the Capitol. This woman who made a a big name for herself by taping Nancy Pelosi getting her hair done in her salon is one of these people marching. Listen to what she's saying has happened to business. Cut 32. Hero. I'm just a mother um, with two children and I'm trying to support my family. And um, being shut down for six months is just way too long. I mean, we were supposed to open midsummer, and a lot of us restaurant workers, salon owners, um, spent almost the last of our money to reopen our businesses safely and got denied. And that's the story of owner after owner. These politicians have no sense of business. They don't know what it's like to, 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 uh, to give people, make people a living, pay rent, have to sign leases, employ people. I just can't believe some of the things that are going on right now in the name of the virus. I doubt the sincerity. I, particularly here in New York, I you will have – I still think you'll have two-thirds of all restaurants in New York City go out of business. You can't – if you get rid of outdoor dining and just the weather might do it for you, it's supposed to end, I think, what, at the end of October, you're going to tell, tell them they can open at 25 percent capacity. They can't survive on that. They can't not only not pay their rent, they can't afford to bring people into the kitchen and, and serve people. And I don't what are they what are these politicians, say de Blasio and Cuomo, what do they think happens to the finances of a city? They're crying hard times, going wanting the federal government to give them money, acting like it's President Trump's fault, but then you're driving people away because of the crime in the streets and the just the utter the oh it's like an open sewer in hell. But then you also are driving Driving businesses under because of your crackpot, haphazard policies. What and this? You will have a city financially that collapses in on itself quickly. Do you know that the the rate of people getting sick in colleges and young people getting sick is uh, is infinitesimal? It's not happening. And people that test positive isolate and come back. But thankfully, they're not being seriously hurt or hospitalized. Well, I was watching this last night. Phil Kirpin joined uh, Laura Ingram last night, mm-hmm. and she, he's on the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, trying to figure out how dangerous this virus is and what it means for business schools opening up. And the numbers are so low, even for teachers, that this shows that these, th- these schools should not be shut down. Listen to Phil. Cut 31. We didn't have outbreaks. We didn't have increased spread. Children seem to terminate infection chains, not to pass this on. And we have a lot of research now that children may even have a protective effect around adults because they expose them to other normal, everyday viruses that build up their immune systems. And so I'm not surprised by these results. I think this was expected. I think the media is very disappointed that they're not getting the big outbreaks that they were hoping for, for another big crisis and more scare stories. Uh, I don't know if you noticed the Washington Post headline on this actually said, you know, study shows no school outbreaks yet. They put the word yet in there, like they're still holding out hope 
that, that it's going to happen. And the other thing that was really interesting in this Brown study, Laura, is they actually found that among teachers, the infection rates were very, very low everywhere, but among teachers, they were slightly higher for the teachers who were doing remote instruction as opposed to the teachers who were doing in-classroom instruction mm. of actual kids. Do you believe this? It's more dangerous to be at home than it is to be in the school. And kids are suffering. I don't think these scientists take in the psychological element, the socialization element, when they just say, we got to protect, we got to stop the virus. There's another element to this. It, it damages a, a child's um, ability to interact with others and learn for the rest of their lives. What about our elderly who have been locked away from I their know. families from weeks and months, suffering alone, uh, experiencing dementia and delirium because of the isolation, because the people caring for them do not interact with them the way that their friends would or their families would. And in, near, in these very densely populated metropolitan areas like New York City, not to bring it back, but I, I've been living in the middle of this, is that what they do is because business Businesses, restaurants, say, are shut down in inside dining. Still, they're crowding people in the streets. So you've got people eating outside, but you've got sidewalks full of people crowded together and tables. So, again, you need to give individuals who live here space to move, and you, you reduce space by keeping restaurants closed. Uh, it just blows my mind that uh, what is going on right now, and on the West Coast it's even worse, and they also want to hand up on the federal government. But right now, nothing's happening. What I think something has to be done, and we got to find a way to extend this PPP program to allow some of these businesses to continue to exist. They're all, they're all going to end up on the unemployment line. And it's so bad in the House that Democrats might be combining with Republicans to pass something in spite of Nancy Pelosi for these PPP programs. I heard the president talking about Republicans are finally getting tough. I think it was Kevin McCarthy said that if Nancy Pelosi moves to impeach the president, they will move to remove her as the Speaker of the House. But that doesn't mean anything to me because you know it's never going to happen. But you know – and you know what might never happen? How about help for our children? How about help for our small businesses and the 12 – more than 12 million people who are still collecting state unemployment benefits? That compromise, that it's a hundred – it's one point. Five trillion dollar compromise from the Democrats and Republicans in the House of Representatives. Nancy Pelosi can't just step up and just sign off on that and get her caucus to sign off on it and pass it immediately. It's got half a trillion dollars in there for the cities and states. They don't want that money. What is she holding out for? She's just afraid of handing President Trump a victory, I suppose. And it's just easier for her to do nothing and just chit chat and Jackie Jaw about impeaching him every day. Well, uh, I've never heard Jackie Jaw. Uh, you know what a Jack Jaw is? No. Do you know, Alison? Google it. No. It's a. It, it's basically a, a device to like. Just look. To it's like a tool. Between Dagan, I shouldn't and make Senator, any hand gestures. Between but, uh, uh, Senator Kennedy and. And Dagan McDowell, I really am on my heels most of these conversations. Jackie Jaw is something my father made up. It means somebody who just runs their mouth too much. I hope you're not talking about me, but you weren't. No, I was uh, talking about Nancy Pelosi, and that, I'll name her. Right. I'll name her. And Have she, you ever noticed that, you know, the hand gestures that she uses? It looks like how the Queen of England waves. I think right. that's kind of an indication of how she views herself. And also now, before she talks, she actually moves her jaw two or three beats before we get a word out. So we're going to look into that. Uh, it might be more appropriate than you even imagined. Uh, Dagan McDowell is going to stick around for a few more minutes. We'll try to squeeze in some calls. one 408 We talked to the president 23 minutes or 17 minutes ago. And we'll bring back some of that interview in just a moment. Big day. Don't move. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian News Radio Studios in New York City. Fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. I've been complaining very strongly about the ballots, and the ballots are a disaster. Many think you are saying we're going to, you're not, if you do lose, you'll never, ever leave. That's not what you're saying. We just spoke to Lindsey Graham. He said, we have to, we have every reason to contend anything that might be controversial. And I'll paraphrase. He said, if it gets to the Supreme Court and they decide Joe Biden won, Joe Biden won. Do you agree with that? Oh, that I would agree with. But I think we have a long way before we get there. These ballots are a horror show. Uh, They found uh, six ballots in an office yesterday in a garbage can. They were Trump ballots, eight ballots in an office yesterday in, in a certain state. And uh, they were they had Trump written on it and they were thrown in a garbage can. Uh, this is what's going to happen. Uh, this is what's going to happen. And uh, we're investigating that. So the president's really upset about this, Dagan McDowell, because he doesn't believe this whole mail in ballots in New Jersey and places like North Carolina, Pennsylvania, uh, unrequested is a good situation. Uh, and he's right. I got an absentee ballot application in my apartment several weeks ago for someone who hasn't lived in my apartment in maybe a decade. My brother, same thing. He had somebody who hadn't lived there in 11 years. And when I called four years ago, the County Board of Elections here in New York to find out if my registration was valid, they hung up on me and said, we don't have anybody to talk to you right now. So it is a nightmare. And the dangerous messaging is, and you've seen this even in, say, Facebook and Instagram, encouraging people to request mail-in ballots. That Why not encourage people? Why isn't Facebook encouraging people to, to go out and vote in person? That should be the message. The vast majority of people, even during lockdown, were going to grocery shop and going to the drugstore and putting a mask on. And that should be the message over and over and over again from everybody. And I have an opinion about what President Trump said yesterday when asked about the election. Who in their right mind is going to get back into a corner and basically talk about if he loses? What was what does that look like? So you just said it's a yeah. hypothetical. Yeah, but you're not going to sit there. Okay, if I lose, then the, then yes, I, he's not going to. That right. was how I interpreted so, it, the re, the response. Right. So here here's what's going on in Pennsylvania. They over they overturned a Demo- even though they had a Republican legislature, but now they are going to allow ballots to be counted three days after election day if they arrive, if as long as they're postdated prior. In Michigan, mm-hmm. ballots can arrive two weeks after the polls and still be counted in North Carolina, nine days in Wisconsin, six days. These are important States. If they're not there on election day to me, that matters. That means you give yourself some time. You know, you're going to be an absentee ballot. You got to mail it in. You can't wait two weeks for ballots to arrive because people are going to say, wait a second. What in what postal system does anything arrive two weeks later? What's this, the Pony Express? And and it's also about the the local election boards and their ability to to count these votes. President Trump won Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin combined by less than seventy eight thousand votes. To to put an exclamation point on what a horror show this could be. Although I did bump into 
a mail carrier here in New York City yesterday. His car, the wind picked up and it was blowing down the street when he was delivering mail. And so I held it for him and pushed it back up the street. And he looked at me and he said, you tell people that we're still delivering the mail. He was furious, he was furious because there, people are trying to blame the Postal Service. He was like, we're doing our job. We get the vast majority of mail out on time. He was like, the problem is with the state and local election boards who don't know what they're doing. In these states like Nevada and California that are doing all mail-in balloting, nuts. Prediction, Dagan McDowell, on Tuesday. I think... I think that Joe Biden has always had a glass jaw when it comes to his family. And if he gets hit, if if Hunter Biden gets brought up, I'm not sure he's going to respond in a way that is convincing to the American people. That's my prediction. Because they now have specifics. Yes, very specific. Saying, why didn't you say no? Why didn't you say no? Why so, didn't you why didn't you call him out? Because, again, if you're going to make it about somebody's personality – then he has to answer those questions. And by the way, last 30 minutes of the debate will be the most important because he historically starts to fade and loses his train of thought and talks about record players. Right. We heard about that. Uh, And Victrolis, maybe. Even who knows. Uh, We also know, too, uh, that the President of the United States will bring it up if Chris Wallace doesn't. Dagan, we'll watch you all over the channel. Thank you, sir. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, just moments ago, we just finished up an interview with the President of the United States. Now he's off to pay final respects to Supreme Court Justice Ginsburg. Then North Carolina, we'll talk health care. Then over to Jacksonville, well, he'll be speaking there at about 4, 4.15. Uh, and if you're carrying us over in Jacksonville, go down there. He says there's some tickets left, but his crowds have been absolutely huge. Eric Trump a little bit later. Douglas Murray after that. He's a great, deep thinker. Talk about where... America's heading, especially more riots yesterday after Brianna Taylor's verdict that had the cops, only one indictment coming down after a grand jury. So meanwhile, the president of the United States with us exclusively a short time ago. Let's listen. So, Mr. President, yesterday you created some news, as you usually do. One of the things you said when asked about if you lose the election, will you accept the result? You said, well, we're going to have to see what happens. You know, I've been complaining very strongly about the ballots, and the ballots are a disaster. Many think you are saying we're going to – you're not – if you do lose, you'll never, ever leave. That's not what you're saying. We just spoke to Lindsey Graham. He said we have to – we have every reason to contend anything that might be controversial – And I'll paraphrase. He said, if it gets to the Supreme Court and they decide Joe Biden won, Joe Biden won. Do you agree with that? Oh, that I would agree with. But I think we have a long way before we get there. These ballots are a horror show. Uh, They found uh, six ballots in an office yesterday in a garbage can. They were Trump ballots, eight ballots in an office yesterday in in a certain state. And uh, they were they had Trump written on it and they were thrown in a garbage can. Uh, this is what's going to happen. Uh, this is what's going to happen. And uh, we're investigating that. Uh, it's a terrible thing that's going on with these ballots. Uh, who's sending them? Where are they sending them? Where are they going? Uh, what areas are they going to? What areas are they not going right. to? 
uh, and, you know, when they get there, who's going to take care of them? And so when we find eight ballots, that's emblematic of thousands of locations, perhaps. But and people just get concerned about a constitutional – people get concerned about a constitutional crisis if you or Joe Well, Biden. remember crooked Hillary Clinton a week ago. She said to Joe Biden, don't concede under any circumstances. Do not concede under any – never concede. Okay, now, you know, nobody does a story about that, right? But she said that last week. You covered it. Right. And it, the words were, don't concede under any circumstances. Well, yeah. it's okay for her to say that. But if I say, well, I want the ballots to be fair, right. uh, they make a big deal out of it. Yeah. Not, It's not right. It's just the same old double standard. It's. Uh, I look at uh, Hunter Biden today where he stole millions of dollars, stole millions. His father should leave the campaign because his father was in on it. His father knew everything. His father far more than we thought in Ukraine, far more than we thought in China, and now other countries are at it. And look at what's going on. And the newspapers don't even write, want to write about it, except the New York Post has it on the front page, which is great. Good old New York Post is great. They're well, actually they should get they should get the Pulitzer. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I know it's going to be brought up. Ron Johnson, uh, the the Democrats are questioning his integrity. I don't really know many people who had done that before, but he said that he investigated over a period of time and Hunter. Biden's uh, relationship with somebody who was close to the former mayor of Moscow on down. It's very complicated. Yeah. It's worth the read. On the ballots, real well, quick. Well, the mayor's wife of Moscow gave him $3.5 million cash <laughs> to Hunter Biden. So, okay? And that's a very powerful position. And he's a very powerful guy. Gave, gave Hunter $3.5 million, his wife. But do, so do you I believe— mean, and, 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 and Ron Johnson, this is what the Democrats do. They scare everybody. Nobody's got guts. Nobody has any guts. They scare everybody. That's why they're not prosecuted like they should be. They're very good at it. They scare. They don't scare me, but they go after me like crazy. They go after my kids. They go after my family. They failed in Washington. They send it to New York. They say, go after them. It's a disgrace. They, they are really a disgrace. But they go around scaring everybody. Ron Johnson had guts. Other people don't have guts. And uh, the Republican Party is just sort of developing a little, a little, a little courage. But here's a guy stole millions. His father was in on it. Consider yeah. Ron John. Consider this. Consider uh, what Ron Johnson has done is incredible, because he had courage and he found all this stuff that people were hearing about. And instead of saying thank you very much, they call him corrupt. I mean, it's right. like unbelievable. No, it's Joe Biden is corrupt because his son got the money. He knew it. And he knew his son was getting all this money from China, from Ukraine and other places. But we're not talking about the numbers that we heard about. We're talking about millions. But the, now Russia's involved. They say I have a relationship with Russia, which I don't and didn't. I didn't have a relationship. He got three and a half million from Russia. From uh <laughs> So, Mr. President, let's let's move on to another area which kind of relates to this. You spent an hour with Chris Wallace, and you spent probably another half hour off camera. It's 100 degrees. You did an hour on Fox News Sunday. Chris Wallace right. is going to be the moderator there. And what, what role do you think that experience will play in the success that you may or may not have on Tuesday for 90 minutes? No role. I mean, I, I've done many interviews with Chris. I have Chris's all-time record in ratings. Numerous times, actually, but I get good ratings when I do, Chris. So Chris likes me because it's all about ratings. Your world is about ratings. If you don't have ratings, you do very well. If you don't, I do you anyway, but you do very well. But if you don't have ratings, you can forget about that business. So I've always gotten very – but I have his all-time record by far in ratings. Uh, and 
hey, Chris is good, but um, I think I would be willing to bet that he won't ask uh, Biden tough questions. He'll ask me tough questions, and it'll show ver- it'll it'll be unfair. I have no doubt about it. But he'll be controlled by the radical left. That's what they control him because. Yeah. He'll be concerned. I, I guarantee you he won't. And I have a lot of respect for Chris. I do. I have a lot of respect. His father was actually a friend of mine, as much as Mike could be a friend of anybody. He did me, I think, twice on 60 Minutes, and they were both good, But which was shocking because Mike very rarely did good. I have the honor of having right. a couple. Uh, one yeah. was a phenomenal piece, Mr. actually. People couldn't believe it. Well, Mr. President, and it's on YouTube. Mr. President, I will tell you for sure, he is not controlled by anyone, Chris Wallace. Okay. Uh, but but well, I think, see. And, then he's got to ask tough but, questions of Biden. But, but because, that's true. Do you think that you— Because I had, you, it, I had it last year where ABC was asking Hillary Clinton these little powder puff <laughs> questions, and they were going after me. I said, I thought I was debating one person, not two. But does it give you an advantage? when you One of the categories, it says uh, the Trump and Biden records. You know what Chris you Chris won after you and now went after you, but to question you on your record. And Joe Biden yeah. does not have that experience with Chris Wallace specifically, or I think even the Biden cramp would say with, with anybody So uh, of so, late. So do you think so that Biden gives you an advantage? Good. No, I think I'm the one without experience. I've just been doing this for a few years. He's been doing it for 47 years plus. And, you know, I mean, he has a, a tremendous advantage, really, if you think about it. But I have a much better record than he does. I, I've done things, the best employment numbers, the best economic numbers, the best of everything. Now we're doing it again. You know, we close it up. We save millions of lives. Now we're doing it again. But, no, I mean, the guy with the advantage is sleepy Joe Biden because, because look, he's been doing it for 47 years. Now, he has, a, he has a situation coming out where his son and him, because it's not the son, it's son, son and him, he knew everything, stole money from Russia. This just came out. Three and a half million bucks they got. And he was in charge of Russia. And then you wonder, then, then they say that I'm, I'm soft on Russia. I'm actually the toughest there ever has been on Russia. I guarantee you Putin would say that. I guarantee you that Putin would say that behind the scenes. He tells his people with the sanctions and all of the things that I've done, uh, your, your the, former, the pipeline your, to Germany. Your what? former director of national intelligence, uh, Coates, said that he thinks that he doesn't have proof, but he thinks that Russia has something on you. Dan is a stiff. Dan would sit there all day long at a meeting, and he would never say anything. All of a sudden, he becomes this guy. Dan was not suited for the job. Uh, Dan was a, a very low-key guy. I right. can't even believe he'd say a thing like that, but that's okay. Dan was uh, not—he was a mistake. He didn't do anything. He, he was a stiff. Right. He was a stiff. Right. I, I, if somebody says about me like that, I have at least I have the privilege of hitting him back. Uh, Dan was—they ran that department. Now we have somebody fantastic there, John Radcliffe. And before that, we had somebody, you know, on a temporary basis. Uh, Rick Grinnell. Rick was so great. Uh, I mean, what he revealed. And this took place during Dan's tenure. Dan didn't report anything. Dan just did whatever the uh, the deep staters mm-hmm. wanted him to. And uh, Rick Grinnell went in there. He cleaned You know, he largely cleaned out the place. And now John Ratcliffe is doing a good job. Now, Dan... Uh, Dan was recommended by somebody who just wasn't a good recommendation. It, it, he didn't do the job. Right. He didn't do the job. Mr. A President. lot of things took place that he should have been. He should have revealed about the previous administration. He didn't reveal that they spied on my campaign. He uh, didn't reveal that. President of the United States, uh, we'll give you a little bit more of that interview in a half hour. But next, we have Eric Trump. Then we have Douglas Murray. I mean, this guy, Douglas Murray, is one of the most interesting people that you will talk to. He has a vision of America that pretty much mirrors our vision. 
And when Douglas Murray wrote a book, it's called The Madness of Crowds, Gender, Race, and Identity, and the Strange Death of Europe. He sees a lot of these things happening here. He wants to stop it. So do you. Those stories this big half hour in the second half of the Trump interview in just a moment. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Well, remember crooked Hillary Clinton a week ago? She said to Joe Biden, don't concede under any circumstances. Do not concede under any. Never concede. Okay, now, you know, nobody does a story about that, right? But she said that last week. You covered it. Right. And the words were don't concede under any circumstances. Well, it's okay for her to say that. But if I say, well, I want the ballots to be fair, right. uh, they make a big deal out of it. Not, It's not right. It's just the same old double standard. Uh, that is uh, the President of the United States on with us exclusively just about uh, a short time ago. Joining us now is Eric Trump, one of his favorite sons. He has not ranked them lately, but he's got a lot of responsibility on his shoulders. Eric, welcome back. Hey, thanks, Brian. I'm definitely the favorite son. Come on. Come, Come on. on. You know Listen, that. I can't jump to that <laughs> conclusion. Tell Don that next time he's on with you. Uh, um, I did do the Trump family Christmas one year, and I did notice him seem to like you the most. Exactly. Exactly. So, tell Don that. All right. So a couple of things. Uh, first off, how do you feel about the subpoena being served to you to uh, give detail interest on some purchases from uh, um, different hotels and golf courses you've been involved with? Um, oh, listen, if you are talking about Letitia James, I mean, it's just another another day in the, the Trump life. I mean, literally since the second my father started running for president, they've been attacking us. Look what they did to, you know, Don. Look what they did to my father. They, you know, tried to impeach my father. They tried to take him down. Look what they did to Kavanaugh. Look at the Russian hoax. Look at the Ukrainian hoax. I mean, this is what these people do. And, you know, you have an attorney general in, in, in New York who, you know, literally ran on the platform. I mean, Brian, you've seen the videos, uh, but she ran on the platform of taking my father down. She's laughing. I mean, somebody, did, you know, found a cell phone video that somebody took at one of her rallies where she goes, I'm going to come after Trump. I'm going to be a real pain in his, you know what, I'm going to sue him. You watch. He better be scared because I'm coming after him. I'm going to take him down. She's literally running attorney generals for Biden, meaning she's running an organization called U.S. Attorney General's. Um, for Biden, you know, the day I'm going to speak, she filed a lawsuit, meaning at the RNC, the, you know, the first day of the RNC, she filed a lawsuit against us to, you know, get herself notoriety. She went after the NRA because she knew the NRA was going to contribute, you know, $70, $80 million to my father's campaign. And, you know, guess what? Now she wants to, you know, harass me. And I go, listen, I have no problem. I'll come in and talk to you guys. No, 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 no problem at all. But can it please be after the election? Because um, right now I'm on the road seven days a week. I'm in, I was in Arizona yesterday. I'm in, the, in Nevada as we speak to you right now. Um, you know, and, and Brian, these people are as, as corrupt as they come. They're as unethical as it comes. If this was a judge, if this was a police officer, they'd be in jail for what they do. And somebody seriously has to investigate um, her actions. I mean, donors are paying her. Donors are paying her, literally contributing to her campaign under the promise that she's going to come after our family. And um, it's illegal and it's wrong. And um, 
um, we have nothing to hide. I mean, we're, we're lucky. We're no Hunter Biden, um, who's probably the crookedest guy in the world. It's amazing how little coverage he's getting. But um, we'll fight and we'll get to the bottom of, um, you know, whatever she's doing. But, I mean, how stressful is this on your – you never uh, you never say woe is me ever. But when I see that Mary Trump writes a book, Michael Cohen, family attorney, writes a book. The best uh, – the chief aide to Melania Trump writes a book. I mean, you can prepare for politics, but it's almost like the people on your side have turned on you. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. We, you know, my, when we, my father's dad is down the first day and I've told the story, you know, uh, you know, a couple of times, meaning in terms of, you know, kids, I'm going to I'm going to run. He goes, you know, we're going to quickly figure out who, who friends are um, and, and you watch how they come after us. I mean, you just watch how they come after us, especially because we're outsiders. I mean, my father's been in politics for three and a half years. Right. I mean, this isn't, you know, he, he's not a career politician. He's not one of them. Um, and, and I had friends. I mean, I had friends, people that you know very well, who said, "Listen, you wait. You wait till you see how many arrows they stick in you." Now, the good news is we're you know big boys and girls, and we can fight back, and we do fight back, and I fight every single day. But you know, the malicious prosecution in this country is unbelievable. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, no one's investigating Hillary Clinton for you know the Clinton Foundation. I mean, think about it. Think about what what she was doing with that foundation. New York Attorney General never went never went after that. Right. I mean, look at Hunter Biden. Why isn't anybody actually, you know, going after him? Why isn't the New York Attorney General looking at Hunter Biden, who took three and a half million dollars from the mayor of Moscow's wife while his father was in vice president? Could you imagine, Brian? I mean, you know me like incredibly well, but could you imagine if I took three and a half million dollars right now from the mayor of Moscow's wife? I mean, could you could you imagine if I took one point five billion dollars out of China? Where's where's the New York Attorney General on this? You know? I, I think I mean, that's I mean, a good point, and I think the Ukraine's going to get much more scrutiny, and they're going after Ron Johnson's character, which is uh, which is a real – that's a real leap. I mean, the plastics businessman, self-made success story from Wisconsin. But I want to ask you about this campaign compared to the other. I remember you tweeted me. I was in Scranton, run-down gym. The place was packed, pulsating. The president's killing it. You texted me and say, uh, do you see what I mean? And it was during the DNC yeah. in 2016. 20, fast forward to 2020. Uh, coronavirus and all is it the same game plan now do you see the same thing coming into place now so so let me give you just kind of a couple of little analogies i was in um i was in williamsport pennsylvania i flew into williamsport pennsylvania you know two days ago the entire town literally showed up in the middle of like right right over by the airport right by the fbo and and literally they were outside i didn't even announce i was coming in i was, I was coming in for a special event that was 20 minutes away the town heard i was coming in they, they came out with flags i mean there must have been 250 people there, uh, meaning unannounced. I got to Arizona yesterday, uh, you know, and I did events in Pike County that had close to 1,000 people, Pike County, Pennsylvania, and um, I was over in Washington County, Pennsylvania, and in Erie, Pennsylvania. I mean, every one of these events, Brian, had between, you know, 750 and, you know, 1,000 people. I'm not a candidate. I, if, and frankly, I dislike politicians, and I'll probably never run for office myself. But, I mean, this is the enthusiasm you have. So I showed up in Arizona yesterday. I did Evangelicals for Trump. You should have seen this church. I mean, it was standing room only. It was absolutely packed. Then I did Assyrians for Trump. I mean, I never I never knew this coalition was – this was the most passion I think I've ever seen in my life. Everywhere we go, we're getting 1,000 people more showing than, up at, at these rallies. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing six or seven of these things a day. It's more, unbelievable out there, Brian. It's absolutely unbelievable. I think it's better in 2016 if you want to know the truth. And the polls say it's basically you're at the same place. What are you predicting? I don't know if they do. I, I mean, I challenge you on that. So the Washington Post, Kellyanne Conway and I went into the Washington Post, uh, ABC, when their poll came out in 2016. They had us down by 13 with two weeks left to go. 13 points with two weeks left to go. 
Yesterday, the Washington Post poll had us up by one uh, in Arizona and had us up by four in Florida. And so I don't know if we're in the same place. Um, you know, listen, I always want to play as if we're five points down. You better believe that they're going to try and cheat. I mean, you know, any party that changes the voting rules 60 days, you know, I mean, you know New Jersey incredibly well, like like beyond well, right? Yep. Any party that changes the rules of voting 60 days before an election is clearly worried about something. And, and, and you look how they're layering up and you look what they're doing on all ends. Gotcha. But, um, Eric, I feel thank, good, Brian. I feel very good. Thanks so much. Eric Trump. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. so busy he'll make your head spin it's brian kilmeade violence is when an agent of the state kneels on a man's neck until all of the life is leached out of his body destroying property which can be replaced is not violence and to put those things uh to use the exact same language to describe those two things i think really um it's not it's not moral that is Nicole Hannah-Jones, the uh, essentially most powerful person uh, in American history right now and the most powerful person, one of the most powerful people who set the agenda at the New York Times. It's scary. Uh, she is creator uh, and she is the, uh, the brains behind the 1619 Project that wants to rewrite American history and said America is really built on slavery and the, this, this dirt, the, our soil is soaked with blood. These are some of the things that have my next guest concerned. His name is Douglas Murray. The madness of crowds, gender, race, and identity, and the strange death of Europe. Uh, Douglas has made it clear he's a fan of the United States, and he's worried about it. Douglas, is that the type of statement that keeps you worried about our country? Yes, it does. First of all, it's very good to be with you and your listeners. And yes, as you can tell, I'm, I'm British by origin, but I've always admired the United States, indeed loved the United States. Uh, I think that much of what we enjoy, not just in America, but in the world, is because of the United States. And when I see people in the United States trying to not just pick apart, but blow up the origins of the republic, to, to dismantle its monuments, to desecrate its holy places, to rewrite its history, not in a tone of understanding, but one of loathing. I become very concerned. What is happening to America, it seems to me at the moment, is an assault on its foundations, on its founders, on its founding principles, and it has to be pushed back against. I, I hear you. Uh, and when they take down Jackson, Lincoln, when they rip down Jefferson, when his college, William and Mary, says we don't want to have statues out there in the University of Virginia protest mm-hmm. Jefferson's presence, who he founded the... He founded the institution. I, I shake my head. And you on the outside, when you were on Fox and Friends over the weekend, and I've seen you before, you exe- you're expressing exactly what people come up to me on a daily basis and say. We used to argue about uh, nations and maybe we shouldn't go to war here or we should. Uh, what should we do the next battle, like uh, the, the Iranian deal? But now we're just talking about what a bad country we are. 
We're used to being yeah. criticized on the outside, but not from the inside. What started this? What's behind it? It's a very concerted project. I mean, that is something we can all now say with total certainty. It is a concerted project against the American state, against the American republic. Uh, look at this project, the 1619 project, an, an ongoing, rolling project, uh, immediately, of course, awarded the Pulitzer, uh, um, immediately lauded by the New York Times and the other people who were behind it. It's a crock. The whole thing is pseudo-historical crock. This is, this is the sort of uh, um, thing which people had the confidence to call out only a few years ago. If somebody had come along even a few years ago and said to Americans, we're going we're gonna to pretend that the republic wasn't founded when it was. It was actually founded a century and a half earlier when the first slaves were brought, when the American Republic hadn't even been founded, it was actually started a century and a half earlier when the first slaves were brought into the American continent from Africa. Well, what is that but an entirely vitriolic, negative attempt to misrepresent and misportray American history? They're accusing America of things that happened before America was founded. And there's a specific reason, and I, I wrote about this in The Strange Death of Europe, in the case of America and Australia and other countries. There is an attempt to say that a country like America, particularly America, has nothing good in it because it was rotten from the start, because its start was filled with sin and horror, the prime, primordial sin of slavery, as if America was the only country that had ever had slaves in history, as opposed to one of every civilization in history. That did. But when you look at this interpretation of American history, you see they are going for the founding because they know that if you if you make people uh, doubt the founding, doubt the virtue of the republic, doubt the whole blasted thing, then it will be vulnerable to whatever the far left demands it does next. Americans have pride in their country, rightfully have pride in their country. And here are projects being funded to massive amounts of money, deliberately intended to take away that pride. And it has to be identified as such. It's a hostile force. It is run by hostile actors. They don't wish to improve America. They wish to end it. And we're seeing it at every level. And we're seeing it now in the curriculum and in New York State in particular. Max Eden was on with Tucker last night or the other night. Uh, he's from the Manhattan Institute. And he sees them building on the 1619 Project, Cup 43. New York State adopted statewide standards in culturally responsive education, the architect of which was an education professor who has literally said that it is white supremacism to expect black students to read and speak American Standard English. Just the other week, another superintendent in New York said that we shouldn't teach the success stories of black Americans because doing so uh, somehow denies or undercuts their ideas of systemic racism. Uh, I think we can expect that this is, uh, you know, full-on states have committed to it. Individual teachers who have a sense of social justice defined by critical race theory are going to take it into their own hands, even if it's not necessarily on the school district's website. I know your head's going to explode. The president is just as enraged as you. He's pushing on this patriotic education and a pushback on all this, uh, on this white supremacist talk as if it's accepted and white people should apologize for things mm -hmm. that happened 200-plus years ago. But you see it's taking root here. Yes. 
And I, this is what I write about in The Manners of Crowds, the way in which our schools, our universities, our media, our, our, our you know, pr- prominent things that were sense-making uh, organs in our own lifetimes that have become deranged bodies. You know, the idea that the New York Times thinks it's its job to unweave the American project is extraordinary to somebody who grew up in the late 20th century. The idea that universities in America, instead of leading the world in science, in technology, in engineering and the arts, should be primarily involved in disintegrating the American project. The idea that schools should teach children not to, not to love their country and to understand it in context and to understand it in context with the rest of the world, but to think that their country is unique in only one way and that is uniquely bad. The idea the American education system could do that is a large part of the reason that America is now in the divided place it is. Because you all used to agree on this stuff. You all used to agree across Republican, Democrat, but that the the founding fathers were remarkable men. It's only now that a, a portion of the country, a significant portion of the country, thinks that the founding fathers have nothing good to be said about them. So, so Douglas, uh, I wrote uh, four history books, working on a fifth. And what I get when I go out and meet people, I can't do it now with this virus and I don't have a book out anyway, is people like, thank goodness, I, uh, a positive story about American history. I did mm. not know that before. I didn't learn this in school. I got to get my kids to read this. They're not learning that. So even prior to the 1619 Project, there was something insidious going on. And I see a lot of these people in the streets now that you think you're getting justice for George Floyd. They're just wrecking the place. And we saw it again last night. Here's what Daniel Cameron, who is an African-American attorney general, and I'm sure you're going to be hearing a lot from uh, in the Republican Party. After he came up with the Breonna Taylor and relayed what the grand jury said, here's what he said. Cut for. There will be celebrities, influencers, and activists who, having never lived in Kentucky, will try to tell us how to feel, suggesting they understand the facts of this case and that they know our community and the Commonwealth better than we do. But they don't. Let's not give in to their attempts to influence our thinking or capture our emotions. At the end of the day, it is up to us. We live here together. But almost every athlete tweeted out negative things, how depressed they were about the verdict, and we watched two cops get shot and uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of violence last night in Louisville. Hmm. Yeah, that's what happens. These words have consequences. These ideas have consequences. For instance, that all of the American police are imbued with white supremacy, even the black policemen, even the black police chiefs, they're all imbued with white supremacy. This has consequences. When people lie about the police force as a whole, it has consequences. When they lie about America, it has consequences. Because there are always going to be in every country people who are ready to be whipped up, who want to burn stuff down, who want to pull things down. You know, it's always been said it's it's the central insight of conservatism, how easy it is to pull things down and how hard it is to build things up. But America has been a building up project. It has not been a project dedicated to pulling 
whittling things down. And that's why these people who are doing this, not just the ones doing the actual violence, but the people egging them on by lying about the nature of the American state have to be confronted and stopped. Douglas Murray, I think you sold a few thousand books just now uh, because this is how you feel. It comes from your heart. The madness of crowds, gender, race, and identity, and the strange death of Europe. We're going to keep pushing back, and I'd love for you to be there leading the charge. Douglas Murray, thanks so much. It's a great pleasure. Back with the second part of our, our exclusive interview with the President of the United States. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want, truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back, everybody. As I mentioned before, the President of the United States was kind enough to join us a short while ago, right before he went over uh, to the State House to uh, pay respects to Justice Ginsburg and then off to events in North Carolina, then over to Jacksonville uh, at about 4.15 Eastern time today. Before he did that and before he stops in Miami after that, uh, he was with us. And here's more of that interview. The Ukraine story did not get much play yesterday, no doubt about it. Breonna Taylor did. Her death is a tragedy. Everybody knows it. She did nothing in the house, was shot six times by three officers who we understand had a no-knock warrant but did knock. Uh, When they were fired upon, they fired back. The the 12-person grand jury came back and said only one officer will be charged with three counts, and it was not for shooting Breonna Taylor. There were demonstrations from New York City where 2,000 people came out, but the big one was in Louisville, Kentucky. The National Guard was called out. Two cops were shot. Where were you? uh, What do you think as we watch this again, a city burn after a verdict? Yeah. Well, it's a Democrat governor. He's a good guy. I spoke to him last night, and I said, whatever we can do, we'll, we'll get in there and do whatever you want. Uh, they called up. He called up his National Guard, which was a very good move. And uh, so I think he's doing it right. But I said, if you need any help, we'll, get, we'll close it down for you if you want. Uh, all of these people, I say, call us. But I think he's going to do well. I think he's got a lot of you know, force in there, as opposed to like Portland, where they're afraid to call up anybody, although they're getting a little tougher after, you know, six months of being beat up. Uh, but uh, it's a right. Democrat governor, but we are we're working with him in one way. And in another way, we've told him, I told him, you know, with, we had a very good call last night. And I told him that uh, if he needs any help, if he needs right. unlimited manpower or man slash woman power, uh, we will be there. So, Mr. President, when you see situations like this from Kenosha on down, even though there seems to be an organization behind it, there's some real sense of distrust in the judicia- in the justice system among African-American – in the African-American community. No one's blaming you. It's been there. How do we bring the country together to unite and try to get this solved and address everyone's concerns while, we- while without burning the cities down, without the violence? How do we do that without vilifying police? What role do you- can you play in that process? Well, a very big role. Look, uh, I went to Kenosha. I was the one that stopped the violence. I'm the one that has Wisconsin and all these states, uh, Florida and Texas and every state virtually. By the way, New York's finest endorsed me. They've never endorsed a presidential candidate before. They didn't think it was something they should be doing. They endorsed me. Chicago police endorsed me. 
Florida endorsed me, everybody. I mean, all law enforcement endorsed me. In Kenosha, I saved it because, fortunately, after a short while, a number of days, they asked if we would get involved. If we go, we went in and stopped it very quickly, just like we did in Minneapolis. Unfortunately, that was two weeks before they asked us to come in. Uh, every place we've gone, we were going into Seattle the following day. They knew that. We let them know, and they gave up. Uh, so they took back Seattle. But, but on the, the race, uh, on the cop issue, I get it, and I think they they really feel as though they they feel uh, honor for your support. But on the race issue. Uh, okay, you ready? Yeah, ready? So we were Dive doing in. it. It was it was really being done, and and uh, I'm now going to the Supreme Court, so I have to get off a little bit run. soon. But but let me just say I'm going over to meet with the uh, to pay my respects and see Justice the justices, yeah. I guess. But I'm I have to go. Uh, just so you understand, we were having an unbelievable success until the China plague came in. People were calling me Democrats like you wouldn't believe. We had full employment. We were down to less than 3.5% unemployment, 160 million people working. Uh, everybody had a job. Everybody was happy. Companies are pouring in. Everything was good. We were beating China like a drum. Everything was good. And then the plague came in. We had to close it down, and now we're opening it up. But we closed it down, Brian. We saved right. millions of lives. We would have lost two and a half, three million lives. And, and we're 200,000, a little more. It's terrible. Uh, that, uh, but we would have lost millions of lives. You see this, uh, if, we, if we would have just kept it open, if somebody didn't make the decision. I did the ban on China. I did the ban on Europe, all of that. But we were... For the first time I've seen in 30 years, people were calling me that would never have called a Republican president. We were starting to get there. And you know what the answer was? Success. We were having such success, the country was coming together. All right. I know you got to run, got hit with but, the flag. but I just on the Supreme Court justice where you're going right now, uh, yeah. what would it take for your nominee not to be Amy Coney Barrett. It seems you already met with well, her. Well, I don't want to say who it is. I, you don't know that it's her. Uh, she's highly, I mean, she's an incredible person, brilliant and, and everything else. It is a woman. I've had, I have five women that I'm, you know, very much looking at. I have, uh, you know, I think in my mind, I have one that I, I like them all. I mean, to be honest, I could put any of the five. They're all genius. Will you have but, a meeting in Miami with Barbara Lagoda? Uh, I, I don't really know yet. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe not. I, I don't, no yet. But, uh, you know, there's been tremendous false reporting, you know, just not I intentionally or anything, but they have a they have me meeting with people that I really was a meeting with. Uh, but I'll be making a decision on Saturday and it'll be announced at five o'clock and you're invited and a lot of your media friends are invited. And I think it's going to be a tremendous thing for our country. And I think it's going to go fast. The Republican Party is extremely united. I think it's going to go very, very quickly. Very, Lisa, very quickly. It looks like Lisa Murkowski could be on board or more open to doing this now. looks like it. Well, I heard that. That would be nice. That would be a nice thing. I think it would be very hard to vote against this person. Right. And that was the President of the United States, uh, and we had the beginning. There's just a little bit more, and if you're able to carry the show the next hour, if you're one of our affiliates, I bring up Mike Bloomberg and what Mike Bloomberg's doing, paying off all the debts of the felons and getting them to vote for Joe Biden in Florida. The attorney general has a problem with that, and the president has a problem with that. Hear what he has to say. Brian Kilmeade Show. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of the story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. We had a chance to talk to the president already on this show, so it's been kind of cool in a previous hour. I know a lot of our affiliates take different hours at different times, so uh, you can feel free to get the whole thing on briankilmeadeshow.com. And we appreciate you joining us. Uh, We have Brett O'Donnell here. He might be one of the finest uh, debate analysts in the country. He's going to be joining us in a matter of moments. Now, Mark Leibovich is an extremely successful author, writer uh, with the New York Times currently, New York Times Magazine. He tried to find Joe Biden out on the stump, and he couldn't. He was in Florida, in Tampa. He was having an event and couldn't find him. And he's just wondering, we know we're in the middle of a virus, but is this the best way to run a campaign, especially with the polls closing? So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Well, that's the first time in four years that I've ever had a poll that had me up, ABC, Washington Post. They had me 12 down four years ago with a week to go. Uh, That is the president of the United States with us. 2020 election, 41 days away, and the debate five days away. President Trump rocks Washington by not committing to accepting defeat while having two big events today, being rewarded with a surge in the polls in North Carolina, Arizona, Florida, and Pennsylvania. Clearly, the Biden team thinks the less Joe, the better. Number two. I'll be making a decision on Saturday, and it'll be announced at 5 o'clock, and you're invited, and a lot of your media friends are invited, and I think it's going to be a tremendous thing for our country. It'll be a third Supreme Court justice seat nominee. Supreme Court seat. Saturday at 5 p.m., Trump will name the nominee. We'll get a hearing date, and now Senator Murkowski not ruling out joining the Republicans who will actually give her a hearing and give her a vote. This is the president is about to meet with another contender today. Number one. According to Kentucky law, the use of force by Mattingly and Cosgrove was justified to protect themselves. This justification bars us from pursuing criminal charges in Miss Brianna Taylor's death. Louisville Attorney General Daniel Cameron. Brianna Taylor's tragic death results in only one indictment and Louisville erupts. Two cops were shot and there were millions in damage across the country. Other cities, similar scenes in New York. Thousands came out to Brooklyn Union Square, Trump Tower. Chicago, big crowds too, marched the city streets. Uh, there's social unrest and what role does that play? Uh, there's the virus, what role does that play? With the, the slumping economy, although recession might be done, we are hardly out of the woods yet. What role does that play? And when it comes to foreign policy and the present success, What will that do? Well, we know one thing. Foreign policy will not be on the docket this Tuesday. We know for 90 minutes there'll be no commercials. We even know the topics. Brett O'Donnell joins us now, presidential debate coach extraordinaire. We know the first debate's on the 29th. Uh, The second one will be coming up on the 15th and then the 22nd of Miami, Florida. Brett, welcome back. Great to be with you, Brian. All right, so, Brett, I want you to hear, uh, if it's ready, uh, what the president of the United States said to us. I thought the president would have an advantage— because he sat with an hour with Chris Wallace. He knows Chris Wallace's challenges about his, you know, the decisions he's made, the programs he's put in place, and things he has and hasn't done. Because he had it with him. Does that play an advantage? Here's what the president said to me. Tell me what you think. 
Oh, we don't have it yet? Oh, okay. Uh, basically, he thinks with all the experience Joe Biden has, he has an advantage. We'll play a little bit later. So, Brett, what do you think? Who has the advantage going in? Well, first of all, uh, I think the president's got an advantage because he's the president. He has to maximize that advantage because he's been in office now for four years. He's been out talking about these issues. Joe Biden is encumbered by 50 years of a political career that even confounds and confuses him. Um, but, you know, and, and I think the other thing is that Joe Biden has not faced a serious uh, interview this entire campaign. He hasn't had to sit down with a serious reporter and get tough questions and answer them without a teleprompter prompting him or without notes or without a staff uh, in front of him writing notes, whatever, you know, however it is they they puppet Joe Biden. Um, he hasn't had to do that. So I, I really do think that um, that uh, the president uh, will, will have an advantage because he's been out there taking questions and he gets berated by the press every day in the in the uh, uh, in the White House briefing room. So so I, I think that's a, an advantage for the president. So, Brett, I, I guess no one has to tell you that we remember how bad Barack Obama did against Mitt Romney. You remember how bad George Bush did against John Kerry in the very first debate. And, and Ronald Reagan got destroyed by Walter Mondale to the point where they thought Reagan might be incompetent to continue. So and is it just because Trump is Trump that you actually think that this will be different from a sitting president who normally struggles in that first debate? Yeah, the, you know, what, what happens with first presidents uh, or with incumbent presidents in that first debate is that they get trapped by the presidency. Um, but, but, you know, the president hasn't done that. The president has continued doing rallies through most of his administration. Um, he's, he's especially tuned in to how to reach audiences. I, I just think that, you know, the problem for Biden is he's lost a step or two. And uh, he wasn't very good in the primary debates. I mean, I do think he had that experience, which which helps him. Uh, but but, the you know, the, the as long as the president remains focused and, and keeps doing the strategy that got him here in the debates, which is staying on offense, uh, I, I think that should be a plus for him. And, you know, normally it would be true that a president would be disadvantaged because they're trapped by by policy. Um, but uh, Joe Biden hasn't hasn't done a serious interview yet, so it'll be interesting to see how he performs in his first serious interview of the campaign. And that's what I assume. There's a lid again on the Biden camp. He is not going out at all today, and most of his events are virtual. When he does show up at an event, it's with almost nobody in th- there. In Wisconsin, there was absolutely nobody there. He meets very few people. He maybe does some local press, but uh, as the president said, uh, he's got 47 years experience. Here's exactly what he said, Brett. Hey, Chris is good, but um, I think I would be willing to bet that he won't ask uh, Biden tough questions. He'll ask me tough questions, and it'll show. Ver- it'll it'll be unfair. I have no doubt about it. But he'll be controlled by the radical left. That's what they control him because. Yeah. He'll be concerned. I, I guarantee you, he won't. And I have a lot of respect for Chris. I do. I have a lot of respect. So uh, he, he's, do you, he sees a, thinks he'll be an imbalance. Does he? Is that a mindset or is that a reality? Well, part of that could be working the refs a little bit, and and I don't blame the president for trying to do that. I think that that's a important part of the lead up to the first presidential debate to try and you know maybe put in in uh, uh, Chris Wallace's mind that uh, 
the president doesn't think he'll be fair and ask uh, Biden tough questions, maybe make him ask him uh, tougher questions. So I think that's a great strategy. Um, And I also think, by the way, it's the result of a president who has every single day uh, been attacked by uh, a largely fake news media. This is these are the topics. Trump and Biden records. So presidents got to like look at the two hundred thousand plus dead in the coronavirus and say, well, per capita, uh, we're doing much better. But he can't say that we beat the virus yet. And that's what Biden's running on. He wants to make the president lose because of the virus. What would you be saying to the president now if you were working with him to get ready for the inevitable questions about the uh, the death toll? Yeah, so I. I, I totally agree that's what that's what Biden wants to do. And my advice for the president would be to not make this a referendum on just his handling of the virus, but rather make this a choice election. And, and one big way to make it a choice election in terms of the virus is to talk about China. You know, China gave us this virus. They are to blame for unleashing this virus on the world. And, and Joe Biden doesn't want to hold them accountable. The president is holding them accountable. Make it about make it about a comparison between not not just the immediate pass of handling the virus, but rather uh, uh, where he would take the country and how Joe Biden wouldn't hold China accountable, which would open us up to this very same thing happening again and again and again. He's got to the president's got to make this not just a referendum on himself. Mm but rather a choice between himself and Joe Biden and and demonstrate how where Joe Biden would take the country would be much worse. He can do that economically. Talk about uh, how Joe Biden's policies are socialistic. It would crush the U.S. economy, Medicare for all, the Green New Deal. Um, He can do it on foreign policy with China and trade. Um, There's so many different venues, but he's got to, particularly on judges with the Ginsburg death, he, he's got to make this a choice election and not just a referendum on himself. True. Um, I do want to ask you about technique, though. I'm going to bring you to the, to sure. the debate. Chris Wallace says, Mr. President, uh, you declared that this is a very success. You're the best in the world at handling this virus, yet we have the highest death toll, one-third of those who have lost their lives. And then when the president says, listen, let's figure out how this got there and starts going to China, Chris Wallace will say, excuse me, sir, Mr. President, but answering the question, don't you feel responsible for those 200,000 people who lost their lives? If you had acted quicker, experts say, Harvard shows, Brown University reveals, when that happens, how do you correctly parry without ducking? Yeah, the, the, the answer is simple. The president was the first person to take this virus seriously and take action. He did that when he put a travel ban on on January 31st. What were the Democrats doing? They were worried about impeachment. And in fact, in February, Democrats were worried about impeachment and telling everybody to go to Chinatown and go out to a movie. They weren't taking the virus seriously. The president was the first person to take the virus seriously. And we could have taken more definitive action had we known what the extent of this virus would do. But we didn't. And the reason we didn't was because of China. They lied about it. They got the WHO to be compliant and complicit in their lies. And they hid and and allowed the virus to spread uh, 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 in a way that they could have stopped it. 
So the, the way to parry on that is to attack China, because then you can turn to uh, uh, Joe Biden and say, and you know what? Joe Biden doesn't think the Chinese are bad folks. Well, listen, I happen to think the way the Chinese Communist Party acted was not bad. It was malfeasant. It was awful. And, and I'm going to hold them accountable, and I am. Joe Biden won't hold them accountable. That's good, Brett. You should take you should take the stage now. Here's a situation. For example, do you the president's believe better though? <laughs> Senator Ron, so Senator Ron Johnson comes up with this uh, study to find out what the role with Hunter Biden and the Biden family had in Ukraine and China, and he comes out with this pretty extensive report. And of course, Democrats attacked it. If you're Chris Wallace, if you are going after the Biden record, do you think it's it goes without saying that Ukraine comes up? I think it will. I think, you know, it'll be somewhat inevitable. But that, you're not uh, sure. You're he, not sure. Joe, Joe Biden will probably Joe Biden's going to raise it. If if uh, if uh, if Chris Wallace doesn't, uh, Joe Biden will certainly raise it. He'll try to sh- to throw, you know, to throw a shadow on on the Ukraine situation. I think the president with this latest report has been given a lot of offense to use. I mean, this was a Senate committee that did the research. Uh, and it clearly implicates uh, the Bidens and and uh, and their actions both toward Ukraine and toward China. I think there's a lot of questions there, and I think it gives the president offense against an inevitable attack uh, that the Bi- that Joe Biden's going to bring up about Ukraine. And that's the point of debate. You know, the, the the way people will judge who wins or loses these things is who stays on offense better. If you're able to stay on the attack and on your message, that's how you win these debates. If you're defending your record, if you're defending uh, uh, a position, um, uh, then you're you're more likely to be judged uh, the loser. So, Brett, this way I understand, according to his people, he does not like mock debates because it feels like acting. He does not like yeah. role playing. He hates it. Uh, I think Biden is doing the traditional way. I know Kamala Harris is. They got Mayor Pete playing Mike Pence, so they kind of knows him. So having said that, one thing they are looking at is what ticks Joe Biden off. What sets him off? We've known, I know six times that he has just yelled at so-called supporters or people in town halls or even somewhat friendly interviews. That, to me, would be a positive, to see Biden or Trump lose it, lose their temper. The other guy wins, right? Oh, absolutely. The you know Joe Biden when he debated Paul Ryan did a very effective job at getting under Paul Ryan's skin, and it frustrated it frustrated Ryan in that debate. Biden was very very aggressive in that debate, and so the you know the whole image of Biden as Mister Nice Guy is is really not the true image of Joe Biden. The president's job will be to to show the, the the sort of mean and nasty side of Joe Biden. And it's come out even in this cycle. If you look at uh, the primary debates, there were points of attack where either Elizabeth Warren or even his running mate, Kamala Harris, were able to elicit pretty sharp exchanges out of Biden uh, because they were able to get under his skin by constantly going after him. If the president stays on offense, then I think you'll be able to get the the real Joe Biden, what I would say is the real Joe Biden, uh, to come out. And, and I think that makes him look bad. Conversely, the president can't allow Biden to get under his skin. 
And that's why right. he's got to stay on offense. You know, Brad, I got to talk to you again before Tuesday because I got to get to race and violence in our cities. Violence and the city seem to go to the president's way because people feel more secure yeah. with him. When it comes to race, Joe Biden flat out says the reason I got in it was after Charlottesville. So there's a lot to yeah. go on there. And how you think that'll play out is going to be fascinating. Brad O'Donnell uh, is an extraordinary presidential debate coach with years of experience. He's going to offer insight as we get closer and closer to Tuesday. Thanks, Brett. You're very welcome. Happy to be with you, Brian. All right. 1-866-408-7669. How happy are you to be with me? I'll find out when you get on board next. Then Mark Levovich in just a moment. You're with Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Let me say this as a black woman. He does not speak for black folks. He's skin folk, but he is not kin folk. And so just like he thinks they can't speak for Kentucky because he's up there with a black face, he does not speak for all of us. This was not a tragedy. This was a murder. He should be ashamed of himself. For the district attorney, I mean, that's just so ridiculous. That's a former police officer on MSNBC uh, talking about how the, the, the district attorney, a Republican, African-American, should be ashamed of himself for interpreting the grand jury decision that's been deliberated uh, for amongst 12 people for about four and a half months. Ashamed of himself. I, I can't even start with that. You know, I, I want to attack race relations in an aggressive way. But burning down cities and attacking attorney general after giving it giving this to a grand jury, which I'm sure was emblematic of the city and I'm sure had some minorities on it. Terry, listen in Indiana. Hey, Terry. Hi. um, Two things quickly. The unemployment and what Trump will do has to be tied to local official decisions, the lootings that cause businesses to go up and then there are people that have to file for unemployment and also the fires on the West Coast. And secondly, Wait, I was can, can I just ask you for clarification? What do you mean? You're saying that's Trump's fault? No, I'm saying that Trump, that your, your, um, Dagan said that Trump needs to talk about the unemployment and what he's going to do to fix it. And to an element, he can't force these guys to open You're up right. the states and he can't control the fires, which have, looted, have ruined businesses, causing the unemployment rate to go up along with the lootings that have shuttered businesses. And nice. those people now have to fire for unemployment. So, so that, That's a great point, Terry, and somebody else making sense in Indiana. We're back with Mark Leibovich in just a moment. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. What I'm not going to do, and I hope you'll understand, is play the president's game. He wants to change the subject. Instead of about violating constitutional principles by moving forward in the middle of an election, elections have already started, he wants us talking about whether or not we're going to expand the court or we're going to court pack. I'm not going to get into that. That was one of the few questions and answers that Joe Biden handled this week, but he didn't even answer. He did not want to answer about packing the court where uh, Chuck Schumer, uh, we had Senator Markey say it, 
Uh, Chuck Schumer say it's all on the table. And we also had Jerry Nadler say we're going to do it. We're going to add six or seven. Mark Leibovitz joins us now. He's chief national correspondent of the New York Times Magazine, author of a 2019 book, still available, uh, This Town and, and Big Game, The NFL in Dangerous Times. Mark, welcome back. Hey, Brian, we're talking football, right? Yeah, well, I do I, want to I talk, talk a little football, football too. Jacksonville plays tonight. Election, I only talk football. Right. Well, you know, <laughs> you and I, I know. But, uh, well, all right, well, what do you think? The Jaguars going to win tonight? Oh, uh, you know what? That, <laughs> I don't know. I guess the Dolphins aren't very good. I mean, you need your interpretation. Those Thursday night games are awful. I, I just can't get, I mean, there's like maybe one out of ten I'll want to watch. But, I, you know, if there's a football game, I'll, I'll watch it. I will say this. The lack of fans in the stands uh, really bums me out. It, it's a real buzzkill. Um, I, so I don't know. I'll probably, uh, let's say Jaguars. Why not? What's your hunch say with the with the ratings off about 20% across the league? I think Fox had one game with the Tom Brady game was, was actually increased yeah. year to year, but they're all down. What do you attribute I, I that to? I, I think it's a couple factors. I mean, I, think, I really do think that the no fans in the stands thing is, is a real buzzkill for people. But I also think that there's more competition. I mean, you have an election that everyone is sky high to no to. Um, and, you know, you have the NBA now, which you wouldn't normally have. You have, I mean, everything is sort of messed up, so you can't really predict it. But I, I think that, that's probably as much, has as much to do with it as anything. All right. So I've got the football out of your system. Can you uh, talk a little about the other competition, very similar to sports? Exactly. Yeah, higher stakes. Um, so I'll tell you, I'll bring you to your column that really caught my attention. We talked about it without you on television, but I wanted to talk about it with you on radio. Uh, Joe Biden, you you always appreciated the way Joe Biden could connect with people, and he's choosing not to. Maybe he can't. What really struck you about the way he's running his campaign? Well, look, I mean, he's running it he goes down to where he's going, like Florida, Michigan, Pennsylvania. I mean, I sort of traveled around to where he was, uh, where he was going the last few weeks. And when you're on the ground, I mean, there's a very, very light footprint as far as his events go. I mean, it's much of it is closed to the press. I mean, there's a pool um, presence there that will cover it. Uh, you don't really know when he's coming to town. But the other part of it is that, like, it gets a lot of local press coverage, which is why they do it to begin with. But no, I mean, as far as person-to-person contact, the Biden campaign is all social distance. I mean, there's no big rallies. There's no door-to-door stuff. And look, I mean, it seems to be working for him. I mean, in that the polls have been pretty stable, but at the same time, it's it's very quiet on the ground when you go down there. Mark, if you just look at the polls of late, uh, everything's close. I mean, in, yeah, in totally. the, for the first time ever, I think the president's leading in Florida dead heat in North Carolina. You have a dead heat in Arizona. If nothing else, those senators, the Democratic senators would need some help. But the lid is already on them, and they're not even saying to do debate prep. They're not doing anything at all today. And I think it's almost being the sports analogy. It's like we're up by so much. Why risk the chance? Yeah, no, I mean, it's true. I mean, look, the Democrats have been pretty critical. He's gotten a lot of criticism and from a lot of nervous Democrats saying he's not doing enough. They would say, and I'm not sure they're wrong, that um, they're happy to let Trump go out and do his rallies, which you know certainly gets a lot of people and a lot of press coverage, but it also gets a lot of um, kind of collateral damage in which people are sort of watching it. They're saying, wait a minute, I mean, this pandemic is not – you know, cured, and is actually hurting people in the community. I mean, you have a lot of, there's always going to be stories afterwards about, you know, number of cases that come up in the wake of them, and, you know, it's obviously you never really know where they're coming from. But, 
I mean, that's still the number one issue in the country right now. And I think the Biden people are calculating that for as much as, you know, he has seemed to be on the careful, cautious, responsible side of that, it's probably a good bet for him. So a couple of things. New York Times, and by the way, they're talking about your column right now on television. Oh, yeah. Mark oh, Leibovitz, no, really? a little quote there. Yeah. Look how famous you're getting. Television oh, and radio, to, dominating I Fox. Tell my wife. See, everyone's at home now. I can just tell my wife and head, hey, actually, no, they're in school. I would never fuck them like that. Uh, anyway, yeah, they're talking yeah. about it. So they, they, uh, the New York Times today has five reasons why the Biden should be concerned. The New York Times. Yeah. The absentee ballots, if they have a lot of them, they are more prone yep. to errors. Number one, yep. in terms of enthusiasm, uh, whites without degrees uh, have, have emerged much more enthusiastic and committed in the past, especially in Democratic states. They say the debates, you figure that out. They also talked about in Michigan, Democratic registration uh, is, impre- uh, is uh, trailing Republicans by 38 percent. And that obviously is a key state. Latinos are showing less support for Biden than past Democrats. And they're beginning to pick up the pace for the president, especially younger Latinos. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think look, those are all things you hear about. I would probably put Latinos one, I mean, to be honest with you. I mean, I think You're right. The enthusiasm, the enthusiasm gap is as far as, you know, Trump supporters coming out and being enthusiastic. I mean, in 2016, and it's you know hasn't really dropped off much, but the fact that I mean, turnout since that election has been sky high. So you know they probably I'm guessing will make up for it. But no, Latinos is an issue, especially if Trump picks um, this Cuban American woman who you know is a possible Supreme Court pick. Um, that can only help. But look, I mean Democrats. Uh, I mean that's a much bigger constituency than African Americans, and there's certainly been a whole lot of hand wringing about. How the Biden campaign is, you know, has some work to do, certainly in places like Florida and Arizona and Nevada. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see on Tuesday night. I'm sure you'll be watching. But you also right. talk about the Supreme Court justice seat. You see the ultimate class: Republicans and Democrats. Yeah. The president praising uh, Justice Ginsburg and what her life does, and and the, and the compassion you see. But at the same time, you see the polarization with the way Republicans and Democrats uh, want her seat handled. And you write about yeah. that, and it's a description. How does this play out in your mind? Well, I mean, again, I, it's sort of early, but I do think the polls have shown somewhat surprisingly that that pretty decisively voters don't think that it's fair for you know to actually make the pick and go forward with the nomination until the next president is, especially given how it played out four years ago. Uh, again, it's sketchy. It's a little early. But, I mean, I will say this as someone who is standing in Washington right now. I mean, the, the, the mood here is just really dark. I mean, yes, it's a beautiful late summer day here every day, but it's just there is so much distrust. I've never seen the Democrats on the Hill like this angry. Uh, as far as Republicans, I sort of was staking out their, um, their weekly caucus lunch, the Senate Republican caucus lunch on Tuesday. And they were all kind of running in the other direction. No one really wants to talk about it. I mean, you just have a lot of nervousness between the election coming up, you know, what the coastal election could look like, and also how messy this this court fight could be. So the President of the United States joined me earlier today, and we asked him about his most controversial statement yesterday, uh, at least judging by the other networks. And it uh, overwhelmed Breonna Taylor, you could argue, and the riots and protests that took place. And I asked him about protesting the election. And he said, you know, Mm -hmm. are you going to accept the results of the of the election? We don't have it. Um, You have it. Okay, let's listen. 
So, Mr. President, yesterday you created some news, as you usually do. One of the things you said when asked about if you lose the election, will you accept the result? You said, well, we're going to have to see what happens. You know, I've been complaining very strongly about the ballots, and the ballots are a disaster. Many think you are saying we're going to – you're not – if you do lose, you'll never, ever leave. That's not what you're saying. We just spoke to Lindsey Graham. He said – we have to. We have every reason to contend anything that might be controversial. And I'll paraphrase. He said, if it gets to the Supreme Court and they decide Joe Biden won, Joe Biden won. Do you agree with that? Oh, that I would agree with. But I think we have a long way before we get there. These ballots are a horror show. Uh, they found uh, six ballots in an office yesterday in a garbage can. They were Trump ballots, eight ballots in an office yesterday in uh, in a certain state. And uh, they were they had Trump written on it and they were thrown in a garbage can. Uh, This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And uh, we're investigating that. And he went on and and what bothers him most, not the absentee ballots, but the flooding of states with ballots unrequested. And they created a firestorm. What's your reaction? You're there. Well, I'm there. I mean, look, I mean, he if he's going to contest this all the way to the Supreme Court, it would be better than the ballots are a disaster. I mean, they're kind of pushing the garbage can. I mean, I, mean I, I think that hopefully it doesn't get to this point. I mean, hopefully it doesn't get to the Supreme Court. Um, and exactly this is the kind of thing that makes everyone nervous because this is not typically the kind of talk we have before. And, and, and frankly, he hasn't proven really any case of significant, you know, voter irregularities from the last time, even though he started after the election he won. And so I think a lot of Republicans you talk to here quietly and privately, and I mean elected Republicans, will say, well, look, he's just being Trump. He's just sort of being blustering here, and uh, we're, we're just going to not say anything publicly, but we don't think it's going to come to that. And, you know, maybe they'll pay lip service to a peaceful transfer of power. But, but I, I will say this. I mean, those statements are not helpful to him because that is not where the country wants to be right now, you know, especially with so much else, so much else going on. And you could also argue that, you know, the, the rioting or just the demonstrations in Louisville and across the country in the wake of the Breonna Taylor decision yesterday, um, you know, it may be safer ground for him, but, but today, you know, fewer people are talking about that given what his comments were yesterday and I guess continuing to stay. So does this bother you, Mark, the American, not the writer? Mark the American. Mark the American. Uh, Pennsylvania yeah. counts ballots up to three days after the election. Michigan will cut ballots, count ballots up to two weeks after the election. So they can arrive up to two weeks after the election. If they are so-called postmarked prior, it's okay. I don't know any place where it takes two weeks to get to where it's supposed to go in America after we gave up the ponies and went with the Jeeps. North Carolina, <laughs> nine days. They will count ballots up to nine days. In Wisconsin, six days. Does that bother you, knowing that they're battleground states and how, how, how small the margin was in every state I mentioned? Well, I would say this. I mean, it certainly bothers me as someone who likes results quickly. I mean, I would love to be able to go to bed on election night or cut won't go to bed on election night because so I probably have to work. But I, I would like to, you know, actually know the winner as early as possible like anyone else would. But, look, I mean, if, if, if the ballots are legally postmarked before, the election and you know there's some unusual inundation just because of, of heavy mail order during a pandemic or because the postal service has been so depleted i mean i guess it's it's perfectly within the rights of the states to, to say that look we'll count the votes or we'll count the the mail in a couple of days or a few days afterwards 
So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it seems fair. I mean, I don't. It seems like an overwhelming number of Americans would say that too. And and look, I mean, I, I like everyone. I want this to be clean. I want it to be quick. I would love to know how this is going to end as soon as possible, so we can all kind of get on with the next phase of this as Americans and watch football and and deal with the virus. And maybe and get schools the virus. Yeah. yeah, football sounds a lot more fun, Brian. I'll tell you that much. I hope so. Not if you watch the Giants <laughs> and Jets. I'm stuck in New York where I can't go inside to eat a meal, and the Jets don't play professional football, and the Giants are three years away. Well, you know, I'm a Patriots fan, so you realize at the very beginning of the pandemic on St. Patrick's Day in Boston, uh, the pandemic closed all the bars, and that was the day Tom Brady left town. So that was particularly ugly. Ah. It started out very bitter for me. But uh, anyway, it's always good to be on with you, Brian. And, you know, all the best. And uh, God bless America. Uh, yeah, I look forward to your next column and your next book. Mark Leibovich, you're the I best. Uh, talk to you soon. one 408 Thanks. Back in a moment. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Just got a, a few more minutes here, and I'll try to get to a couple of calls. But I do want to bring you to another part of the, uh, the President Trump interview. He gave it to us exclusively. And that is, I don't know if you heard what Mayor Bloomberg's doing. They have a rule, uh, they have a law in Florida that says if you are a felon and want to vote, you pay off all your fines and your debts, whatever they are, you can vote. If not, you can't. So guess what? Bloomberg is coming in, paying off everyone's debts, everybody's. And they say, wait a second. You can't pay somebody for your vote. Now, technically, he's just paying off, and he's not telling him to vote anyway. But you know if someone takes $25,000 and pays off your and pays off your debts, whatever they are. And I'm not saying getting involved in criminal justice, how much time they serve, and what their crime was. Of course you're going to vote for the person they're supporting. So here's what the president said about that. So let me ask you about, you're going to be in Florida today in Jacksonville, but Mike yeah. Bloomberg made some news when he decided to pay all the debts of all the felons in Florida, making yeah. them eligible to sure. vote. Now, the attorney general of Florida was just on Fox and Friends and said they're going to do an investigation because he's not just doing this. She believes she's going to investigate whether she's actually telling if he's pushing them how to vote, not just making it's them eligible act. to vote. It's, 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 hey, look, Mike Bloomberg got on stage and made a fool out of himself, Mini Mike. And he blew almost $2 billion, couldn't answer the first question. He was hit by Pocahontas like nobody's ever been hit. Well, I get hit like that all the time. You have to be able to respond. He choked and he couldn't talk. And he's dying to get back into the Democrat Party. So he's putting up money. But the problem is it's totally illegal what he did. I guess it's a felony. He's actually giving money people. He's paying people to vote. He's actually saying, here's money. Now, you go ahead and vote for only Democrats, right? You yeah. vote for them or vote against Trump because, uh, you know, because I reveal things about Bloomberg and he didn't like it. And there's a whole thing about his company that comes out and that people are talking about. Uh, you know, he did a lot of things while he was a mayor of New York City to build up that company. And uh, people should look at that. 
But Mike, what Mike did with this was, you know, it's uh, politics uh, 101, let's say. But but what Mike did is it's a total criminal act. And they're going to take they a look go at after it. them because, you know, Democrats get away with stuff. But I think Republicans are getting tougher. The Republicans have to get tougher. We have better policy. But we I mean, we have some unbelievable warriors like Jim Jordan and others that, that have been fit. Mark Meadows has been incredible. He's doing a great job, by the right. way. As chief of staff, Mark Meadows, and he was a good fighter for him in North Carolina. And you know why Mark Meadows got that job? Because his wife loved President Trump, and he was a late convert. Meanwhile, if you look at the flotillas that have taken place and the, and the, uh, the different parades for Trump, you would never think he's somebody that didn't have the popular vote and that wasn't going to get 60 percent of this vote. Uh, because when people vote for Trump, they're just not kind of into it. They're all into it. Let's go to Joe, WRCN, Long Island. Hey, Joe. Brian, good morning. Incredible interview. Why aren't you the moderator in the debate? I don't know. Now, Chris listen, Wallace will be great. Was, Thank you. You'll be better. But the fix was in already. The Demi- you know, they must win at all costs to cover up the dirty deeds of Obama, Biden, and Clinton. We've been saying this for years. Benghazi, the $150 billion payoff. Listen, there's a quote from FDR. Biden, Obama, Clinton clipped the wings of American Eagle to feather their own nest. And they will lie, cheat, and steal to cover up their corruption. Eight years suffering, the Americans, under Biden and Obama, dilapidated buildings, uh, food stamp lines, no jobs. Biden and Obama became filthy rich on the backs of us Americans. He was on a take with China, Ukraine. It's disgusting. He's running here. His uh, brain faculties are shot. And why is his wife putting him through this? Why would a, a disgrace, the Democrats, Americans, put this man to be leader of the United States? Because he's protecting his family. It's obvious he was on the take. He had his hands in the cookie jar. They thought right. they'd never co- get caught. And well, because they thought if he has turn. more, Joe, we haven't seen it yet, but we're going to see it Tuesday. Thanks so much for your patience. Thanks for your kind words. Brian Kilmeade Show. BrianKilmeadeShow.com. You can listen to the whole Trump interview. Thanks. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.